Safety, dependability, and power. Chevy Silverado isn't happy unless the work is hard and the day is long. No wonder Silverado is America's number one best-selling retail pickup truck. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. Okay, Mary goes in motion. She's headed right for the good foods guac. Nice head fake on the stock boy. Great move around the lady with the cart. Mary reaches for the good foods guac and heads for checkout. Great play. Game day is guac day, Bears fans. And that means the delicious taste of good foods guacamole with perfectly ripe hand-scooped avocados. Enter to win all kinds of great prizes at gamedayisguacday.com and reach for good foods guac at Julasco. It's the WGN Radio Football Podcast. And the Bears pull off a major upset tonight, beat the Patriots. It is important. You know, the, the whole country was watching us, and I think that's important for confidence. Fields takes off. Left side, he's in. Touchdown, Bears. Fields throws to Herbert. That's blocking. That's a touchdown. Montgomery is in for the touchdown. You know, we had a chance to take a breath during the bye week and really uh, figure out what we needed to do and needed to adjust what we're doing well and some things we needed to tweak a little bit. And there's your final 33-14. to 14. Go Bears! Now, it's the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Here's Kevin Powell. All right, live from Hallis Hall, this is episode 51 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. I'm Kevin Powell. Joined by the great Mike Berman from NBC5 Chicago. Episode 51. Maybe I should have tried to have Dick Buckus on this episode. But I've always said Mike Berman is the Dick Buckus of Chicago sports reporters. Would you agree? I would definitely not agree. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about the Monday night game. We'll we'll get into what we just heard from Matt Eberflus here. An injury update on Lucas Patrick, likely headed to injured reserve. That's not great. They're about to face a very nasty front um, in the Cowboys' defense. But let's talk about the Patriots' victory, which was one of the most impressive, full, complete victories from a Chicago Bears team uh, we've seen in quite some time. 100%. I mean, I felt like... uh... After that game, I was kind of thinking to myself, when's the last time they looked that good in all three phases? I don't know what the answer is, but I know for sure that my first season covering the Bears was 2016, and I feel like that was the most surprising game during that time. It was just, uh, it was really, in my opinion, a testament to Matt Eberflus and the staff and you know with some extra time coming off a Thursday night game number one being able to rally your troops after a really bad loss um, in which you had a lot of discouraging things happen and number two to really utilize your time well to inspect and he had talked about last week you know we're gonna we're gonna really look at where we can be better and we're going to tell each player two or three things that they've been doing well but also two or three things that they can improve on and so it it was clear that there was dramatic improvement and it was clear that whatever they keyed in on in terms of things that they could do better and needed to do better those were really addressed well during the week and then on top of that they got the guys to buy into it and go out and do it in new england I couldn't agree more when it comes to the whole coaching component of this, where, yes, it does come down to the players executing. You always want to have have coaches, and Luke Getzey talked about this, put players in positions to succeed. 
And I thought that's exactly what they did against New England, specifically Justin Fields, who had his best game as a pro, where we had design runs, which some have kind of thrown out. And, you know, it's that fine line of making sure your quarterback doesn't take a lot of shots, but also utilizing his talent, which is unlike really anyone else in the NFL. You've got Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields kind of in their own element in that department. Um it feels like a competent coaching staff here at Hallis Hall. Um, it does. Like, just I think, and I think you asked Matt this specific question, or at least the, along the same lines, was like, or is Dion or somebody? But like everything Matt Eberflus has kind of been preaching, and the messaging, and the style of play he wants from his team, we saw that. In, in full four quarters, right? Like, they played tough. There was two big passes from the Patriots offense. Other than that, the defense was stout, and Justin Fields had a big breakout game. It was a full, complete game where after there wasn't really anything that stuck out or like, hey, they won, but we didn't really have that. Everything looked really good against the Patriots. Yeah, that's pretty unusual yes. around Hallis Hall and around the Chicago Bears. And let me just make one thing clear. If that question you're referring to was a good question, it was, a phenomenal question. It was definitely Dion okay. and not me. Um, but you mentioned when you when you launched into starting your thoughts there, you mentioned the way that the Bears coaching staff, you know, primarily Luke Getze, put Justin Fields in position to succeed in, in Foxborough. And I thought that was really notable because, you know, the Bears coaching staff in terms of this year, they can't do anything about the fact that They've got bad wide receivers and, you know, bad tight ends, or at least if I'm not going to be as mean, you know, both of those groups have underperformed. Um, but I don't think it's mean to say that the talent is not there with the wide receivers and tight ends, comparatively speaking, when you look around the NFL. So bottom line is they can't do anything about what's surrounding Justin Fields at the skill positions, but what they can do is put him in a position to at least have the best chance to be his best and to succeed. And I felt like, you know, with with the designed runs and with moving the pocket so that he wasn't standing back there in the pocket trying to survey the field. I mean, you move the pocket, you're cutting the field in half. And um and you're utilizing his athleticism and you're making the defense key on the fact that he could take off at any time. And we've seen from him before that he's he's talented when he's on the move and throwing that way. And it was it's almost like, okay, why hasn't that been why haven't they been doing that previously? It it's such a head scratcher because most of the time when we see Fields run, it's when he's running for his life because the offensive line struggles or or it's on him sometimes where he's just pulling it down too fast and looking to get out of the pocket. But Again, going back to the coaching stuff, I think with some extra time, and I think whatever it was that Luke Getze dialed up in terms of this game plan, it gave Justin Fields the best chance to have success, and he did. Now we're going to see how does, especially starting with a really, really good Cowboys defense, which, you know, in guys like Micah Parsons, you know, some of the best in the NFL, and also just as a whole, is really sound and is giving up, I think, his second best in the NFL in points per game. How is Justin Fields, how is Luke Getze and the Bears offense going to respond now that all of that's on tape 
and you've got a great defense that's going to key on stopping it. That's going to be the next challenge for this team is they had the one great game. And granted, it was a great game, and it came against Bill Belichick. So kudos, kudos, kudos to, to the Bears for winning that game the way they did. But the challenge now becomes repeating it. Absolutely. And I think Matt Eberflus touched on it yesterday was they've got to remain creative when it comes to run designs because if you're going to keep trying to do the same stuff, obviously defenses are going to key on that. I will say, too, you know, when we talk about design runs for quarterbacks, one of the worries is that you're putting your quarterback in a position to take a shot. Whether it was just a coincidence or it was Justin Fields, he really, the big hits he took, he, he didn't take a lot of shots against New England. And maybe it's just because they were executing so well and there weren't defenders there to lay a big hit on him. Part of it was Justin Fields getting down. But I think if they can continue to do that and, and remain creative in that department, it almost felt like he threw for more passing yards than he did after looking at after the game, looking at the stat sheet. Like, hmm, I thought he for sure maybe was over the 200 mark or a little bit more. And I think the way I felt that way was because of the third down conversions. And and the, the completions that he uh, landed all felt big. You know, they felt like big moments, like, wow, like they needed that at that moment. Or he moved the chains by throwing the ball. Uh, 11 of 18 for third down conversions? That's great. I think it was their most third down conversion since 2015. Do I have that right? Something crazy like that. The third down pickups, um, it's backbreaking for a defense when you have a quarter like quarterback like Fields, who there was a couple uh, plays there where it looked like he was going out for a sack or a big loss. Next thing you know, he's moving the chains on third and long. Yeah, there's and there may be no better indicator of offensive success and sustaining offensive success than mm-hmm. your third down conversion percentage. And you are absolutely right. Like as a defense. That's just demoralizing when an offense picks up a big third down conversion, moves the chains, and you know keeps marching toward toward the red zone or toward the end zone. And that's something the Bears have really struggled to do, but they did it well in that game. And um, and I think that hopefully for the Bears, they're able to kind of. I think you might have said something along these lines, but like they're going to have to figure out the way to bottle up what they did and just repackage it in those, you know, very slight ways that can throw off, you know, all these talented, athletic, huge defenders, all these really smart defensive coordinators, just slightly and just for a split second that gives them a chance to then succeed with it the next week and as they move through the season. I think another thing that was encouraging from the win was that you had guys who factor into the long-term picture here playing big roles. Jaquan Brisker looks like a stud. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyla Gordon had an interception. Obviously, Justin Fields, we've talked about um and Jalen Johnson, look, I, I think we, we pretty much know what he is at this point, a very good defensive back. To see players like that have big, big moment, big playmaker type stuff happening, that that's also very encouraging too. And it really validates, um, you know, Ryan Pohl's decision to go defense, defense, secondary, secondary with his two valuable second round picks this Which I liked that the fact that they added talent on that side, but like where we are even now, and I look. Ryan Poles talked with the media before a game impromptu press box. 
never happened with the previous regime. And when there was a lot of talk about what's around Justin Fields and that narrative building, and I think it's, I think it's a, it's a valid and fair critique, criticism, yeah. however you want to put it. I know for me personally, going into this year, I'm like, you got nothing around your your potential franchise quarterback. But I thought it was great for him to kind of come out and talk and and shed some light on his approach to the whole thing. And um, earlier in the season during camp, when there was the the contract impasse with Roquan, he did the same thing. He held a kind of an impromptu press conference. And I think fans really appreciate that because one criticism that I always heard from fans as it related to Ryan Poles was, it's like he, he there's never any accountability. You know, he he whiffs on Mitch Trubisky and sets the on pace, right? Pace, or, yeah. What did I say? I think you said polls. That's okay. We've all mixed. Ah, it's so hard with Matt. And Ryan <laughs> yeah, too. We got I got what you were saying. Yes, the guy with the really good hair. Ryan Pace was talked to you guys at camp and the scouting combine, and at the end of the season, when everyone was mad, how the season ended. That was it, <laughs> and, right? And he was a master of saying nothing. It, he, it, it was like he could have taught a, a course in public relations in saying nothing. Um, and whereas it feels like with Ryan Poles, he's making himself available and accountable. And, you know, of course, we're not going to sit here and be naive and think he's everything he's saying is 100% truthful or he's giving us the full picture. But there does seem to be a little more transparency and a little more truthfulness um, with what he's saying. And so, but going back to what you were saying when you prompted me here with Brisker and Gordon playing well, and really Brisker's been good the whole year. Gordon's the guy who's at times struggled. And I think let's forgive him for a moment, you know, with Jalen Johnson out a number of games, that means Gordon's the guy that is kind of, covering wide receiver number one for the other team. So obviously they're going to pick on him, and obviously he's going to have to grow up quickly there. But I look at Kyler Gordon as a guy who potentially is going to be a really good player. I think all the the skill set is there, and I think he's just going to get better. Um, Brisker's been a star in the making, or so it seems, since day one. Um, I still can't believe that Poles didn't pull the trigger on a receiver with one of those picks in the second round, I still think it's a mistake because going back to what we said earlier, what is around Justin Fields, what he has to work with is it's, it's just not right. It's not right when you, when you want to try and win games, but it's also not right when, you want to try and do your best to evaluate what you have in Justin Fields. It's really hard to evaluate a quarterback who has virtually nothing around him. Yeah. Because as much as you want to just say, well, oh, he's got to deliver the ball and this and that, well, guys got to get open. You know, guys got to go up and make contested catches. Um, guys got to make guys miss in the open field. So, bottom line is, while I'd like to have seen polls go with a receiver and get Justin Fields some more help with one of those second-round picks. What we saw in New England from the two DBs, from Brisker and Gordon, very encouraging. Absolutely. I mean, look, if he landed his first two picks to be two long-term starters, great, right? Mm -hmm. Great. I was all about George Pickens going into the draft, and he had opportunities to take him, and he didn't. So, yeah, it's fair criticism, I think, to say we don't – 
believe that Ryan Poles put enough about around Justin Fields. But they've made it work. And going into the season, I said, look, if they're going to have success with this offense, it's going to have to be um, – the development of Justin Fields, but the big part of that was the scheme that they were going to put in place and the play calling and how Luke Etsy develops Justin Fields. That was on display against New England, right? They found a way to utilize all of the talent of Justin Fields. Uh, we did get the news today from Matt Eberflus that Lucas Patrick is likely headed to injured reserve, suffered a toe injury against New England. That means he'll miss a minimum of four games, which is not great, and Sam Mustafer has struggled. Even he said that. Um, you know, to reporters. So it will be a tough test, as you already alluded to, the Dallas Cowboys defense, which leads the NFL in sacks with 29. You have a stud in Micah Parsons who has seven sacks. It's going to be a difficult task against Dallas. But I've said this before every game, and after, you know, the first couple of games of the season, it was like, okay, it's kind of football talk, but they have some grit to them. They have some fight to them. And I think they're buying into what Matt Eberflus is selling to them. Um, so I think going, and maybe not against Buffalo later in the year, we'll see about that, but I think just about all of their opponents, I think they can I think they can put up a fight. I really do. And if they played like the way they did against the Patriots, I don't know if they can beat the Cowboys. Um, but look, if they played like they did against the Patriots, they've got a pretty good shot against Dallas. Yeah, I mean, I think you play as well as they did in all three phases in New England. You got a shot against just about everyone on your schedule. Um you know, most of the time, every bounce or virtually every bounce isn't going to go your way and the game ends up being a blowout. You know, most most NFL games are going to be tighter and it's going to come down to executing late. And that's something the Bears really haven't done so far this season. I mean, they've been in virtually every game late except for week two in Green Bay. Yeah. So... um you know, they've had their opportunities, haven't cashed in. I would probably expect that if they win Sunday in Dallas. Super Bowl, my friend. Or uh, Arlington, I should say. Excuse me. Yes. Um, yes, not only are they going to the Super Bowl, <laughs> but it also means, probably means, you know, it was a tighter game and they made a play or two in the fourth that that put them over the top. So, Let's see what happens. I'm not. I'm not changing my. You know, there's not. To me, there's not some grand takeaway from the New England win. To me, what we did see though is that this staff is capable of putting together the right type of game plan to give Justin Fields the best chance to succeed and to shine and to win. And that's where I find optimism is. It was like, okay, you know, Justin Fields is he's never gonna be Patrick Mahomes or and just sit back there, I don't think, drop back, sit back there and be able to pick apart a defense and throw for three hundred and fifty yards. I just don't see that happening. I think he is gonna be a guy that's dangerous because you can move the pocket with him. And then you're wondering, is he gonna run it or is he gonna throw it and that he's good enough throwing it on the move and you know those are the types of things that I think are going to give Justin Fields the chance to separate himself and to cement himself as a really good starting quarterback in the NFL so hopefully hopefully the Bears say let's do more of what we saw against the Patriots progress you want to see it and um look it's I'm just very 
excited to see what the Bears can roll out against another really good opponent. And they have a lot of good teams coming up on the schedule. All right, more coming up with Mike in just a minute, but a quick message from Good Foods. Game day is guac day, Bears fans, and that means the delicious taste of Good Foods guacamole. It's always a touchdown with Good Foods guac because Good Foods brings game-winning flavor. Perfectly ripe, hand-scooped avocados made with delicious, real ingredients. Visit gamedayisguacday.com and enter to win all kinds of great prizes and a season full of Good Foods. When you gather to cheer on the Bears this season, reach for Good Foods Guac, available at Jewel Osco and other Chicagoland retailers. Pick up the guac today. All right, we're talking with Mike Berman from NBC5 Chicago. Mike, shout out, by the way, to Mr. Automatic Cairo Santos, 4 for 4 on kicks, named the NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Remember when uh, after that certain playoff game where field goal didn't get in and then the following camp and offseason was just a complete circus here trying to find a kicker? And it was kind of bizarre, but also at the same time they really did need to find a kicker. And now, like, Cairo Santos has been phenomenal. He's made 17 straight kicks. Um Having and Matt Eberflus touched on it today, he congratulated Cairo and the entire, entire unit. Um, when you have a reliable kicker, it just takes so much pressure off the team. It really does. Um, so I don't know. I just figure we should give a shout-out to Mr. <laughs> Mr. Automatic here, right? <laughs> it, I mean, it really is a good feeling, obviously, for the team, but also as a fan when you kind of feel like every time a kicker runs out there, he's going to make it. Yeah. Um, and that's what it feels like with Cairo. And it has virtually for his entire second tenure here with the Bears. Yeah, he's he's just been outstanding. And um and 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 when you've got a guy like that who along with, you know, a run game like the Bears are succeeding doing and a defense that's competent enough, like you can you can feel comfortable sometimes kicking field goals. I mean, obviously, you want to get into the end zone, but if if you need a big field goal, which which teams in the NFL often do, and this Bears team could, you know, rely on field goals to help them win a game, you've got a guy who's who's pretty much automatic. He has been automatic. It's been a nice uh, showing from Cairo Santos over the past couple of years. Last question, um, just because it was brought up, and I think they are going to remain kind of a fifty-fifty split, but it. I love the way David Montgomery runs the ball. He's so tough, and we saw it against New England. Does kind of feel like Khalil Herbert maybe fits into this style zone offense a little bit better, but if there's one position you feel really good about with the Bears, it's at the running back spot. Oh, I love what they have in the running back room, and um, and I think they each bring something a little different, and so I think that's nice when you've got a little bit of a change of pace like that because Montgomery's a guy who's – really good at shedding tackles who's really good at just keeping his legs moving and and bouncing off of a tackle and picking up the extra yard or two and herbert's got a little more elusiveness to him and you know we've seen some him break off some really long impressive runs this year so with a substandard wide receiver room and tight end room and an offensive line that's you know, kind of been patchwork and struggled in its own right at times to have a nice duo of running backs is really a luxury. And um, I don't think there's any question. Matty Berflus believes in running the ball 
and they're going to lean on that as they continue to work through the season and try and win games. And remember, Herbert, in the passing game, right, that nifty little screen from Justin Fields to anticipate the pressure, to sidearm it, and get it to Herbert, who had open space, and he and he had the blocks in front of him. So that was nice to see. I wonder you know if they'll... What? I'm just going to add this, because I thought that was growth from Fields yeah. on that play. Because you're talking about in the Commanders game, it was on, I can't remember, first or second in goal before... Pettis couldn't come down with it, and then Mooney couldn't come down with it on fourth. Mooney was wide open in the flat, and Fields had it knocked down. And I remember asking Mooney after the game, did you feel like that was a touchdown if the ball comes to you? And he's like, for sure. If you know, if I get that ball, I'm in. So what does Fields do on that play? He, it was like he was going to throw more traditionally you know, over his head, saw that good chance it's going to get knocked down and just like split second adjustment to sidearm it like i just thought like even in a split second there you saw his mind think back how did this how does what's happened in the past yeah need to change what i do here to change the result and he did yeah and they even tried to run that exact same play against new england and it was batted batted down and fields talked about that so yeah that's I guess that's the growth we're looking for. Um, any other final thought? Are you going to the Cowboys game on Sunday, Mike? I've heard really good things about the Cowboys Stadium press box. That's why I'm asking. I have been. I'm not, the answer is I'm not going, unfortunately. Um, I will be in the studio for Sports Sunday. However, I can confirm, and a little, a little trivia, because you're really interested in trivia about me, is I covered the first ever NFL game at Cowboys Stadium. It was a preseason game between the Cowboys and the Titans. So I don't know, maybe 2009 or 10. I can't exactly remember when it opened up. But yeah, I've been there a handful of times because I worked in Austin, Texas. So I worked uh, the Super Bowl there that the Packers beat the Steelers. Um, I worked that first game. There were state championship games for high school were there. And I will confirm food is very strong up in the press box <laughs> jerry takes care of 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 the media i do even think they may have post-game adult beverages for the I, media. i've heard a keg gets brought out or a kegerator and the beverages get flowing in the press it's just like um soldier field press box delicious five-star food there's champagne after Bears games that they bring out. They don't. It's it's kind of horrible up there. But maybe when they move to Arlington Heights, Mike Berman from NBC5 Chicago does a great job covering the Bears and the Chicago sports scene. I'm Kevin Powell. This was episode 51 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast.